0: You'll love people. So let's look at um, signs of maturity. Relationship with the father and the son. This is a sign of maturity. Not only a relationship with the Holy Spirit, because you had—I mean, a lot of people coming to this ministry don't even realize that they can have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lee was one of them. She come, come from what kind of church? Episcopalian. She, 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 she was right up there. But God saw fit that she was ready. Remember that verse said, if God permits, in that verse we read, if God permits, there's a time that God's going to permit you to come through this door or any other apostolic ministry. Because the difference from a church, pastoral church ministry and an apostolic ministry is a pastoral church ministry is led by who? A pastor or a priest. They, they work the babies. But those pastors and priests should be under an apostolic father that they can relate to, so they can discern when you've reached that three-year mark to push you on out the door to an apostolic ministry. Amen? Because an apostolic ministry is led by what? Apostles, amen, they're called the apostles of ascension. They're in Ephesians where Jesus was lifted up and he gave gifts to some men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So that's how you know these are apostles of the ascension, apostles of the Holy Spirit. The apostles of of Jesus have died and gone because they laid the foundation of Christ. But the apostles of the ascension build the building of Christ. Build the body of Christ. And that's us. So when we come in here, you have to know that God says, hey, that one's ready for maturity. That one's ready to grow. So the relationship with the Holy Spirit and the relationship with the Father and the Son, they're a little bit different. All three of them are different. The Holy Spirit primarily Brings conviction and uh, righteousness, self-righteousness. It brings the conviction. But when you get into a real relationship with God, you're going to be in relationship with his son, Jesus, first. Because God won't do anything until you're right with the Son. And then when you hear the Father, and this is how you know you're in a relationship with the Father. Because Jesus is not the giver of all good things. James says the Father is the giver of all good things. And what's good in your life? Relationships. Prosperity. All these things. And I had had challenge with Lee because religion doesn't think... Religion thinks you have to be poor to be holy. Most re, religions take a vow for that. And every time I talk about wealth or riches... I could feel the battle between them. But as she grew, she got past that. Because you can't find anywhere in the Bible that he didn't say, I want you blessed. I want you prospering. But he will never prosper babies. Why? Because what do your children do when you give them a bunch of money? They blow it. They don't ask God, what should I do with this money? They blow it on candy and toys. Everything for who? Themselves. When God blesses you, the first thing you should be on your mind is, who can I bless? Who can I share this experience with? That's a sign of maturity. When Jesus told his disciples that the Father wants to make a home in you, He said, we want to make a home in you. He said it in John, the John Gospel. But right after that, he said, but first I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, right? And what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit being sent? To renovate the house. To renovate the temple. Because Jesus will never dwell where his word is not alive in you. How do you know the word's alive? When you're in a situation, that word bubbles up out of your spirit and it comes right out. That's how you know the word's alive. You cannot memorize the word and put life on it. The word of God has to be given to you by rhema. It has to be given to you by revelation. It has to be, and and God gives you rhema because he's satisfied with your study not your memorization. He's satisfied that you're reading the Bible. And through that reading, he reveals himself. And it sticks to you just like that. And you don't know when he's going to use that bank to come out to minister to someone. So Jesus said the Father and the Son want to make a home in us. He was talking. Anytime in the Bible, anytime that God says you He's talking about this. Because he's going to call you a you (laughs) until you become a son. Amen? So if anybody says, hey, you, you know you're not a son yet. That's a revelation to me. He just spoke that. Thank God nobody's ever said you to me the last five or six years. Amen? He's looking for maturity. God didn't call you to be infants. He called you to maturity. You'll never fulfill a personal vision or a corporate vision until you are mature. That's why he gives the tools of perseverance and patience so that you can grow. Can you imagine a child handling a vision like that building? Or even a ministry. But one thing about the the beauty of acceleration, apostolic means acceleration, is once you get past that three year mark, you can come be matured just as quick as you want to be. Because when you get past that three year mark, and if it's done effectively, everything that's in the way of love has been identified everything that's in the way of love. we got to understand that our spirit got saved, but my head didn't get saved. Man, that was the biggest struggle for me about five years after I was born again, and the devil comes back to tempt you in areas, and you're acting like you were a sinner again, even though you know you got changed, even though you know that God is in you. Our head's not saved. How does our head get saved? Who remembers? Who said it? The word. The Rhema word of God invites Jesus and the and the Father into the soul. And saves it. Saves it. Saves it. Saves it. It's a constant saving. That's why I said work out your salvation, because it's something you've got to work out. You go from being saved to being saved to being saved. I'm not talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your head. All right. So we've got to keep this in mind. That we have to mature. So let's look at um, what else we have. No fear. There's no fear. You're full of faith and obedience. When something goes wrong in your life, do you still fear? Does fear grip you? That's how you know. Wow, I'm still a baby. Will I ever get past this bottle of milking the word of God? I need real food. I need real meat of the word. I need real food, which is the rhema word of God. Fear. Fear. I was possessed by fear before I came to Christ. Possessed. Boy, you talk about a tormented person. That's why I was a drug addict, a drug dealer, and I was an alcoholic. I was was everything that Satan wanted me to be because I didn't know anything different than the enemy's way. But when Jesus came in, he took that fear and replaced it with faith. Isn't that awesome? What a great exchange. He has done for us. What a great exchange. So faith, full of faith and obedience. Number three, there's no complaining. When the enemy tempts you to complain, God said, Gene, he said to me one time, he said, Gene, if you want to be in my perfect will all the time, even though you don't know what my perfect will is, specifically for every situation, he said, then give thanks in everything and you'll be in my perfect will. Because giving thanks hides you from the devil. Think about that. God throws a cover over you and hides you from the enemy. Amen? That's why I love to live in the secret place of God, because I'm hidden from the enemy. The only way he knows I'm coming out is when I engage with the old man. And it's thinking. Then the enemy knows. He sees it. Staying in the secret place means you're at perfect peace. No matter what the situation is. Perfect peace. Number four. No lack. There's no lack in your life. God has met every need. Whether it be social. Whether it be financial. There's just no lack in your life. And we got to be careful with getting, um, what do you call it, uh, complacent. We can just get so complacent when God has met all our needs. Amen. But we are required to go preach the gospel. I want to preach a gospel that I'm living. I want to preach a gospel that I have become. That's why it's so effective. I can sit someone down that's lost, and I'm telling you, with a matter of minutes, he's saved. Because the gospel's alive. And the conviction is so strong. Amen. You want to become that gospel. You want to become that. And be an effective soldier for Christ. Christ meets all your needs super abundantly so that you can be a blessing and that you can reach the world for Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with us. It's all about his kingdom and advancing his kingdom. And I'm the type of person I've got to be changed constantly because the enemy is is always around me waiting on me to get lazy or comfortable. Amen. I have to be constantly pushing towards something. And that's what perseverance is. I'm pushing towards something that I may not know what the full effect is or the end is, but I know I've got to push this way. Because where you're pushing and there's no opposition, then you're pushing in the wrong direction. There's got to be opposing forces or you'll not know that you're in the right vein of God. The enemy's opposing the authority at hand when you're pushing forward. So no lack of prosperity and wealth. Number five, there's no anger. You're just full of love. How many have reached that place where just, there's absolutely no anger in you anymore? Raise your hand. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but you can say that it's less. I mean, remember the time when somebody would just say something and you'd just go off on them. (laughs) Before they could get the next word out. You've already had your machine gun out. (laughs) we could write a book on Carrie and it would just be titled Carrie there's no one like Carrie it is a compliment always take it yes he's a testimony so we have to judge ourselves to see if we relate to any of the signs of immaturity or maturity Because when we judge ourselves with the signs of immaturity, then we know that we have to mature. We judge ourselves with the signs of maturity, then we know we have to do something for God. God will never have you do something for him until you are like him in that area. Until you're like him. And Jesus is mature. He's the full stature. Until we become that. I always tell the ministers and pastors I talk to, I said, Don't ever minister unless you are mature in the area that you're ministering. Amen. In the area that changed you, and you're no longer that person, you have matured in that area. So it's impossible to fill fulfill a divine personal vision. Or a corporate vision in diapers. It's impossible to fulfill a vision, whether it's personal or corporate, in diapers. You can have the diapers of religion on, you can have the diapers of anger on. These messy diapers, right? Can you picture that? Full of anger, full of fear. Amen? It's the Holy Spirit, the washing of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that washes this off of us. So the Word can get implanted, and then we're changed. And then we're changed. Patience is needed to expose what? Deception. If you're in a season that you you have to be patient, then that's a sign that there's deception either in you or around you. I always know that. If you're in a season of patience, you feel like you're having to be patient, then that's a sign. God is saying there's a deceiver around you that needs to be exposed or you've been deceived in your mind somewhere that needs to come to light. Amen? Amen. And wherever there's a deceiver, there's a betrayer. A deceiver, a betrayer, will always deceive you before he'll betray you. Let's look at Hebrews 6, 13-15. Amplify. And his gifts were, were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us. Some to be apostles, special messengers. Some prophets inspired preachers and expounders of the truth, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling minister, missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. And his intent was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering towards building up the body of the church, that it might develop, that it might develop until we attain oneness in faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God. There's, There's what your goal is right there, that we might arrive at a really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and the completeness Found in Him. It's impossible for you to grow if you're not receiving from a fivefold ministry. It's absolutely impossible. Jesus was the fivefold. Remember, I teach that. He is all of these ministries and He majors in them. No man can do what Jesus did because we have flesh, we have a fallen nature. But we can minor, like apostles can major in apostleship, and he can minor in these four. But you can't take an evangelist and put him in an apostle's office. I've seen pastors, actually I've seen evangelists take themselves and move them from an evangelist to a to a pastoral. Can you imagine an evangelist being a pastor? Ooh, that would be rough, wouldn't it? You've seen it. Because they've never been called to the fivefold. That's why they jump around. So when there's a fivefold ministry in one assembly, and I'm speaking, and we have our fivefold here. It may not be mature, because we're all still growing in that function. But as I'm speaking, the atmosphere changes. The atmosphere changes from the result of power and presence. The power of Jesus and the presence of the Father. So Jesus and the Father are coming out. Amen? And that's how you grow. You cannot grow unless the evidence of power and presence is in the assembly. How do I know the presence is there? You can sit here all night and think you've been sitting here for 30 minutes. You know why? Hey, wait, come on up. You cannot. The reason is because there's no time in God. So when the Father comes to dwell with us through our speech or through our praise and worship, then he has come to dwell with his children. And who wants to go anywhere? I mean, really. But where would you want to go right now? Because this is your home. Wherever the Father is, is where your home is. It can be in your car, it can be here, it can be in your home. Wherever you experience His presence is where your home is. This world is not your home, your house is not your home, it's the atmosphere. That's your home. It's the atmosphere. So, write this down. This is very important. I love this. The Lord said, Perseverance, perseverance pushes back distraction. So, you can can imagine if you've got your hand to the plow and you're plowing forward with the kingdom of God, you're persevering and you're pushing back distraction. So, perseverance. Is a quality God has given us a tool to stay focused. And just before God blesses you in a relationship or anything materially, the enemy is going to send distraction. And we know, and I love this order the Lord gave us the first of the year. Now we can go into the same order every year death, burial, resurrection. Rest, no, death, burial, rest, and resurrection. So I'm looking forward to January to see what has to die that we don't even know. Things that are in us that have to die. That's in the way of love, that's in the way of the kingdom. So keep in mind, this is our last, is today, tomorrow's last day, isn't it? Tomorrow's is our last season of rest. How many of y'all been tempted? (laughs) Temptation is a distraction. Because it'll appear to be God. But it's not. And you better stay put. You keep that perseverance going. And you stay focused. All right. So perseverance pushes back distraction. Patience pushes back Deception. Patience pushes back deception. And I'm telling you, when God has patience on you, you feel like you're not getting accomplished. Nothing. Nothing's getting accomplished. You almost feel lazy. Like, what's going on? You know? But the Lord spoke to me one time. He said, Gene, when you don't feel like nothing's getting done, everything's getting done in the spirit realm. First before it introduces itself to the natural realm. So look at this order. Perseverance pushes back distraction. Patience pushes back deception. And love is the motivation to continue. If you don't have God's love, you'll never make it. Love is the motivation to continue. Distraction and deception are enemies of the promises of God. God's trying to give you something that he has promised to you in his word. And distraction and deception are the enemies to what he has promised you. So keep that in mind. If, if God has not met a desire in your heart, then you know distraction is going to come and deception is going to come continually until God meets that desire. And What am I supposed to do? To get my desire met, what's Psalm 37 say? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. That means worship him, praise him. Delight yourself in his word. Delight yourself in the fellowship of the people. Love is a friend of God. I love that when he told me that this morning. He said, love is a friend of God. So divine vision comes to pass. Through maturity. If you have a vision for a family. There's a lot of young ones in here. If you have a vision for a family. You will never get that family. That God has ordained for you. Until you get mature in him. And the enemy will tempt you. Because he sees a desire not met. He's only going to tempt you. In the area that's not whole. He's only going to tempt you. In the area that's not whole. And the promise of God makes it whole. The promise of God makes it whole. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 11, 11 through 13. Or 16, I'm sorry. Yep, You got it right. Sorry, Carl. Okay, because of him, the whole body, the church, in all various parts, Closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments which with it is supplied when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly and all its functions grow to full maturity building itself up in love. You see how, how important unity is because it says right here when you're firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments which it is supplied when each part with its power what what you experience when I hook up with someone or you hook up with someone right when I touch you with unity and love there's a grace that's released that grace is released for you to be able to receive what he has that I need And what I have that he needs. Is there anybody you have an offense with? That's your other body part. Does somebody make you mad? That's your other body part. That's a tough one. You'll say, Oh, I don't need that part. (laughs) I just limped the rest of my life. (laughs) It's not worth it. I don't need that promise. (laughs) But God needs it. God needs his body working effectively. Amen? You've got to love each other. You just got to love each other. Let's look at the, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 11 in the Message Bible. And this is how maturity is built up. So we can reach a level of maturity, but not be mature in that maturity. So this is how it's done. If I speak with human eloquence and an angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Man, I hear some rusty gates sometimes. And it's usually the ones that's come through the door that God's called to this ministry that think they have something to offer this ministry. But all they have to offer is a rusty gate. I can hear it squeaking every time they open up their mouth. Back and forth. If, it, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. Can you imagine there's a lot of prophecy out there and there ain't no love behind it. So what happens to the prophecy? It dies. Everything is incomplete until love is married to it. Prophecy is incomplete until love is married to it. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, can you imagine being burned as a martyr and not go to heaven? Just continue the burning? That would be horrible. This is the works of religion. This is what religion does. Amen. I came out of religion. But but I don't have love. I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Ah, man. You know how it feels to be bankrupt. I hope nobody's been bankrupt in here before but that feels like death when you lose everything. And it takes how many years to get back on your feet? 7 years or something. That'd be awesome. So love never gives up. That's what we do here. We never give up on you. <laughs> and I'm saying we don't lose one. They might leave for a while, but they come back. They come back. So love cares more for others than for self. We need to let this sink in tonight. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. See, temptation wants you to have something that's not yours. It's a lie. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled up head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. How many of y'all flew off the handle this week? Hopefully nobody's going to raise a hand. Tom raised his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Tom went like this. (laughs) And I saw it out of the corner of my eye. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Tom gets a blessing for obedience. (laughs) Praise God. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Man, oh man. Mm. How many of you got the list in your pocket? (laughs) Of something somebody's done wrong to you. Yeah, I did too. Mine was a legal pad. I just write it because I I thought, you know, I was judging myself by seeing how awful they were instead of loving them out of where they are. So I was self-righteous. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't revel when others grovel. So it doesn't rejoice in iniquity. But it rejoices in the truth. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Listen, it's impossible to love like this. With your love. God introduces his love in our obedience. He'll introduce his love. We go from glory to glory. We go from love to love. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes are canceled out. Isn't that beautiful? So my tongue won't cease because it's given out of love. My prophecy won't end because it's given out of love. Love makes everything complete. My teaching about God is only in part if it's not given out of love. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. Isn't that awesome? But when complete arrives, our incomplete incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. Have y'all left the infant ways for good? Because the longer you stay an infant, the more the enemy is going to bring temptation to you. Temptation and distraction are the tools of the enemy. Temptation, deception, and distraction, they're all deception. But temptation and distraction are the tools of the enemy because he sees that God is about to deliver something to you. A desire. And listen, the devil wants you to have his desire, not God's desire. It's time to leave the infinite ways for good, it says. I love this. The Lord said there's an appointed time to be saved. And I believe that because I cried out to God for 10 years when I was going through hell in my early 20s. From 20 to 30, that was hell for me. But it was God forming me. And causing me to die to myself. Dying to self. But then when I finally died to myself. I cried out to him. And he came. God will never change. What Jesus has put in place. Jesus came. When man couldn't help himself anymore. So when you reach that point where you can't help yourself anymore, you're ready for God to come in. And all you have to do is cry out to him. I cry out to him. There's an appointed time to be saved. There's an appointed time to be changed. When you come through that door, God has appointed you to be changed. God's not happy where you are. You hear that? God's not happy where you are. He's he's already left where you are. Because he's a shepherd. And he's come to where you're supposed to be. I better back off a little bit. (laughs) Carl's mind will be blowed up back there. It's an appointed time to be changed from infancy... To adulthood. There's a time to come out of religion. Into relationship. Amen. Because all of us have come out of religion. Listen. If you're born again. And you stayed born again. Infancy for too long. Then the spirit of religion gets on you. And religion puts you to work. And God is not even in most of it. I remember when God told me, he said, Gene, I didn't call you to work for me. I called you to work with me, not for me. not that beautiful? Work with me, not for me. Now's the time to grow up in the abundant life of Christ. Wow, man, oh man. i got to get these last two scriptures out. John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come to accept us, steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. So what he's telling you there is he's come to give you the born-again experience. He's come to give you eternal life. But he's also come to give you the abundant life here on earth. Abundantly, look, look at what abundantly means. This is what Jesus wants to do. Carl's head's already blown up back there. (laughs) His head's been blowing up all day. Can y'all find it? You have it? Abundantly means superabundance, excessive, overflowing surplus, more than enough, above ordinary. God's covenant. God's (laughs) covenant. God's covenant to us. Is a covenant for abundant life, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. He has created you through the Scripture to live a healthy, prosperous, abundant life. Amen. The Scripture, John 10, 10, Jesus is declaring his intention to recover and restore to man what the Father's intent was all along. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus came as a second Adam to restore what was happening in the garden. Can you imagine that that Adam did not have to wait for anything to be grown? As soon as the seed dropped off the plant, You see a full tree. But when the curse came, God cursed the ground, not man. So man has to tend the ground to get the seed to grow. Isn't that awesome? Jesus came back as a second Adam as the life giver. So he's putting life back in the garden. Can you imagine not, not having to wait on seed, time, and harvest anymore? There is a time that you won't have to wait on seed, time, and harvest. Joel prophesied it, remember? He prophesied it, that the blessing would be coming quicker than you could sow. All this comes with maturity. So that should really get us to pour into maturity. How do you get mature? You persevere, and you're patient. And you're under good teaching. And we got incredible testimonies of acceleration here. Of people growing up fast. Demons coming out of people they didn't even know they had demons. Amen. Because we don't know we have them. Until they come out. (laughs) Until they come out. But that was the Father's original intent. And block the devil's intent to hinder our receiving. That's what Jesus came back for. To block it. But here's the key. I said, Lord. How? And I, I do see some Christians living the abundant life. But they're not in any lack. They have a surplus. That when God calls them to meet a need for somebody. They have it. And he said, this is the answer. It's in John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How many knows the difference between a lamb and a sheep? Remember, he told Peter, feed his lambs. Then the last time he spoke to him, he said, feed my sheep. Because lambs, you're born again, and you just come into the kingdom, you're a lamb. How can I identify myself as a lamb? Lambs are easily deceived. They're easily deceived. That's why he said, My sheep follow my voice. A stranger's voice they'll not follow. Not knowing his voice is the reason we do not experience abundant life. Because he's going to lead us to abundance every time he speaks. He's going to lead us to restore in the garden every time he speaks. My sheep follow me. So where is he taking us? A lot of people, I'm not going that way because I might have to lose some things. Because everybody thinks when you give your life to God, you got to lose everything. And you don't have to. Sometimes I've seen God, even things that we've done. Without him, he put grace on it because my heart was so towards him that he let me have it. My heart was so towards him that it even sanctified what I did without him. Isn't that powerful? That's so powerful. So, where is he taking us when he leads us? You can write this down to maturity. He's not calling you to the mission field without maturity. I don't know how many missionaries have gone out and said, Oh, God's calling me to the mission field. And got over there and there was no provision. Sold their houses. Some prophet called them and told them they're supposed to hit the mission field. They sold their houses, closed all their bank accounts, and went over there and lost it all. God will never call children to the mission field. And you have the signs of maturity. I give you the signs of maturity. He's going to lead you to maturity. He's going to lead you to abundant life. And he's going to fulfill the vision of seeing him. Look at Job 42.5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see. Isn't that beautiful? We hear people preaching about Jesus all the time, but we don't see him. When we were in Israel a week or so ago. You could see him walking all over that place. He was just like me looking at you. In his white gown. He girded with a brown. And had sandals on. And his brown hair. Revelation says he has white. But he has white when he comes back. When he rose from the grave. That's how he looked. So he appears to us after the resurrection. So, the, so there's a time that you can move from infancy to adulthood and there's another sign right there that you see him. You see him. I remember one time the Lord told me to go to a motel room and lock myself up for three days on Stevenson Avenue over there and I had to laugh all the way over there because I used to take women over there and now I'm going to meet Jesus. What a change. And there there was such a a cloud in that motel room. He told me the room to go to. And there was a cloud. As soon as I opened up the door, it hit me. The presence hit me, and I started weeping. And then I was sitting in that little chair where that little table was, and I felt this, like somebody breathing on you. And every time the breath would hit you, you would weep even more. And I was soaking wet and I opened up my eyes and he was sitting on the bed just like I saw him in Israel. And believe me, you cannot look in his eyes because they're so full of love. You dive on the floor because the love is so great. We ought to pray that the Lord will let the bride See his love through these eyes. She's in the exiles of religion. He's broke, busted, disgusted, supposed to be blessed, full of power and victory and wealthy. But when she sees your eyes, that'll never leave her. She'll know that she has seen the bridegroom And the bride. Isn't that awesome? So pray that. I've asked God to do that for me. I said, let him see your eye, not mine. Let him see your sparkle of love. And my eye is not my dim eye. Let him see love. You know? Any questions? That was a lot of revelation. <laughs> I like it when I don't have to look at notes. I can just walk towards that. Any questions? If God has given you a vision and he gives us all visions, sooner or later you're going to get a vision, whether it's a personal vision or whether it's a corporate vision, know this, that that vision's going to tarry till you mature. And that what the word says? It will tarry till you mature. And now you have the signs of, mat- of maturity, you have the signs of immaturity. That is the foundation, right there. Once you decide, uh, once you identify yourself, now you just grow up in it. Just grow up in it. Amen. No questions. Y'all got this. It was that simple. Got to soak in. <laughs> soak it. <in. laughs> soak it up. It's food. It's food. Sometimes if we understood what we're eating half the time, we probably wouldn't eat it. But it's good while we're eating it, right? (laughs) All right, let me pray. We'll close. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for Jesus and his ultimate sacrifice for us that we could have this time together in unity, teaching your word, preaching your word, And feeling your love, I ask that you seal the words that were spoken today by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the guarantee of our success of what was taught today. In Jesus' name, giving some praise. Thank you, Lord.